So what you got there? Well, we gave our script to a producer who was interested, and then he gave us these notes that you just took from me, and you're going to read them. Inert and without humanity. Yeah, it's like he just read the words. He didn't get the big picture. In one ear, out one ear. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever had anything produced? Yeah, we wrote I Am Legend. I just were catering to keep in touch with the common man. What I'm getting at is, have you ever heard your words read aloud? No. Axione. Reading on deuterium levels? 705.2. Captain. Your ship will never withstand the quantum flux between a binary star. What's that? Binary? What is that? It's one like two stars. They kind of four. Oh, it's not important. We just got to keep the flow going. Um, it will in a Godel space-time field. Without negative energy synthesis? We reverse the tachyon cannon, generate an Alubierre warp quantum tunnel through the Kauki horizon. And form a naked singularity. To Clark! What are you doing on the bridge? You should be in a surgery tube. Um, I was scared. I heard explosions. If the coordinates you stole from your boyfriend aren't accurate, you'll hear more because this ship will be totally atomized. Boyfriend? He's a slave trader. I was nothing to him but merchandise. Fine merchandise. Uh, Duke Clark? The best. If we don't make it... Uh, I don't use the word don't. He pushes her away roughly. Just No, I got Sorry, it. sorry. I just wanted to thank you for saving my people. Dies. For real? She fucking died. Oh, Juliet died. Uh, seven, check her readings. Life functions terminated. Koshi Horizon passed at Deuterium, level 7.001. A statistical anomaly, what you call luck. Is it? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the most underrated literary podcast out there. Mm-hmm. As said, right. as recently said a year ago, but I just saw it today by a reviewer on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> the Spike. I didn't realize podcast. that was a year ago. Yeah, it was from yeah. 2021. Sorry, sir, but we do Sorry, see you now. Shout outs. Shout outs. Mm-hmm. Perspicacious commentary with some on air belching. Nailed it, honestly. It's kind of honestly, what we're going for. Yeah. He, that's our vibe. A little high, a little low. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> really what we're trying to do. And that's eating right now. It's We're, we're filling well, no, the description. Well, I, no. I have a cold. Yeah, man. And yeah. so I'm trying to mitigate some of the grosser uh, and more disruptive sounds I might make. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's going to be a little gravelly, a little gooey, some of the stuff that's. Uh, I honestly, honestly I love that. I love that for you. For the most part, though, cold voices, I think, pretty cool sounding. 
Yeah, it makes you sound yeah. more like you you're know. bassy. You've got some substance. Yeah, you sound a little older. Everyone wants to sound like they have a cold permanently. Yeah, right. That's why I drew all the time. Yeah, I think that's genuinely I'm hoping why that my I think voice gets more gravelly. Some people deeper. smoke. You said drool. Oh, jewel. Jewel. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen Paul in a while. He drools all the time. <laughs> I do drool. I, that's his new thing. Yeah. yeah, I do it on purpose, and I'm trying to get a deeper voice. <laughs> You're, I feel like your voice is already pretty deep, man. Oh, thank you. Who has the? Who has the? <laughs> who has the that's deepest? Who has the deepest voice here? I can't hear myself. I feel like I have the highest. I think that's probably true. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. No, it's not a dig. I'm dude. joking. I'm joking. This I'm isn't. Joking. This isn't a fucking. This isn't. How a, dare this, you? This isn't like a fucking like uh, alt right incel stream where it's the d- depth of your voice is the qual- yeah. means is the the quality of your fucking manhood. Yeah. How dare you? It was a trap, and I got you. <laughs> I mean, and it's like let's. I mean, Ben Shapiro has a high voice. He's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. You won me back. That's true. Right. True. <laughs> true. Yes, indeed. Um, all right. Well, today on the Spinecrackers podcast. Oh, by the way, my name is Gabe. I'm a, a, one of the hosts of that podcast. Yeah, my name is Matt. I'm, yes, also a host here. My name is Paul, and I am I am a host. So today uh, we are talking about. Interestingly, if you listen to our last episode um, with waste mailing list on John Wyndham's The Day of the Triffids, we all. All of us talked about how we never read sci-fi, and yeah. here we are doing another sci-fi book. It's <laughs> actually uh, our third one this year. What was it? What was the other one? Oh, and the Kavan. Kavan, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, uh, I don't. We don't well, want. I don't want to get into the yeah, genre discussion. That's that whole literary sci-fi bleeding mm-hmm. genre bullshit. But uh, yeah, and I think uh, consequently, there's there's some overlap a little bit. I don't know between what and what. Oh, just between some of the points, uh, and then like about that book, and then this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So although although there's a very there's a very like different I would say sci-fi approach. Obviously, not just it being story collection, but like I'd say a whole different worldview about speculative fiction and its purpose in yes, general. I agree. Um, so the book we're talking about and will continue to talk about for the next couple hours is um, Ted Chang's uh, collection. When was this published? I didn't even look. 2000, 2008. 2000, no, 2020. Yeah. What? So, why did that you was, think 2008? I thought... Is that yeah, right? so long ago. Yeah, dude. I looked up that the was, wrong thing. Apparently. I was, like, really confident. That was didn't Story of Your Life and Others... And, or didn't the Story of Your Life and Other whatever come out also before 2008? His first collection? I don't know when that one came out, but I mean, it's possible that some of these stories were published earlier because I think there's only oh, two, definitely. I yeah. think there's only two original stories in here, two or three. Um, but anyway, yeah, Ted Chang's collection, Exhalation, is what we're talking about. Highly, highly praised, highly lauded uh, New York Times top 10 books of the year. All kinds of Damn. Uh, fancy, fancy reviews. Um Accolades out the ass. Accolades out the ass, like no joke. So this this book was pretty hype. Ted Chang in general has been pretty hype. Um, Ever since Arrival and yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, even yeah. I didn't even know that that was one of his stories until we were planning this episode. 
Yeah, that's the well, reason I chose the book is because I I like that movie a lot. It made me cry. I liked some sappy sci-fi. It's so a that good. Was, it's a good movie. Well, I, and I think it, and I think it speaks maybe getting back to what Matt was saying, the the sappy kind of like posy mental energy of Arrival is I think one of Chang's kind of hallmarks. Part of his view, I think of of yep. the the work he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's part of a general project to. Uh, potentially infuse science fiction with some more yeah positive energy basically <laughs> like some hey guys post rock energy hey <laughs> like come on science you know we don't know what's going on but isn't that exciting or like there's there's ways for us to be more human sort of the spiritual senses and all this kind of stuff is, yeah, yeah we can we can with that. we can get better through like I read um, Joyce Carol Oates wrote a review for this for the the New Yorker, I think. Uh-huh. And the title of the review is "Science Fiction Doesn't Have to Be Dystopian," and I think that that's definitely what uh, what Chang is going for. He's going for I wouldn't say utopian either, but no, a, a, a sort of small scale, like you know, bit by bit, we can improve ourselves via grappling with some of these problems. Yeah, very specifically, I would say through science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right of course, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, through the I mean, style of technical writing, I would say because <laughs> he, he was a technical writer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that. Okay, if te- I'm just gonna before do, we I, go on, Gabe, we got you got to say what you were going to say. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm just going to. I'm just going to do it right now. We normally save our our unvarnished thoughts for the score section. Um, Ted Chang is bringing the posi mental vibes. I'm bringing the negativity uh, today because I, <laughs> I, fu- I honestly hated this book pretty deeply. Um, yes. I, I didn't like it. We'll talk about why, uh, but I, ugh. it was, a, it I was, like when it, you don't like it, it, it was, a, it was I love a, it. It was a big fucking fart stinker for me. There was w- the, the last story. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I, I think, I think the last story was pretty good, but everything else was, uh, I thought pretty, pretty like actively bad. Um, and we'll talk Great. about it. And so maybe that's just cause I've been in a dark place recently playing dark souls, uh, <laughs> as consumed the last <laughs> month of my life, basically or a few weeks, but I've, I've, I don't know my, my, my mental, it's actually a very light place. My mental might be off. I've just hated everything that I've read lately. Um, mm-hmm. and that, and, and, and that included this book. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I love. I don't, I don't condone hate speech, but I love Gabe hate book speech. <laughs> yeah, Gabe hate book speech is okay. Yeah, my only joke was I said Ted Chang, more like Ted talks. Yeah, and then I just said Ted writes. That was my joke. Because <laughs> that was kind of the, the posi mental energy vibe that I got. The kind of rah rah science yes. stuff. And, and and I also my one of my extracurriculars. I d- I read. Labatuts, right? The when we cease to understand the world. Yes, another which one, right? Felt very in conversation with some of the themes here, and I also watched Devs. Oh which, my god, dude, so fucking good, right? Yeah, and that and and like so much of Devs is because okay, one of my first, we'll get into the stories. We'll just go through them, and tr- we'll try and get through. We'll just go through them. I, I'm assuming in order, right? So like, mm-hmm. but I think that one of the themes was clearly to me like and this is why i was thinking of devs which i was watching like it's like free it's just free will gussied up in different conceptual f- 
frames. Yeah. Basically. That's like a, they're, they're obsessed with that topic. Yeah. And that seems to be something that Ted Chang in particular in this collection is obsessed with. If it's through the medium of, uh, time travel or quantum parallel universes or, or Digimon or yeah. Or AI. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah, Digimon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for um, for all the for all the Digimon Neopet Pokemon lovers out there, there's oh, yeah. there's a story in here for you. There's a story for you for sure in yeah. this book. The the longest one. It, it's basically a novella. It's like what, like 100 mm-hmm. 110 pages or something. Yeah. yeah. It's a novella. But yeah, so, the the connection there was just like free will. Free will seems to be the underlying sort of topic even in things in this collection that didn't seem quite to be about free will explicitly yeah and i i mean i I think the i didn't i didn't initially make the connection that you mentioned earlier matt but back to windham but between windham chang and then something like devs which again excellent show that everybody should watch i think did you like it you finished it yeah i did okay well, I, I just I think Alex Garland is somebody because he Alex Garland started off as a writer himself, mm-hmm. like, uh, and so he has a very like I would say writerly and novelistic approach to his movies. There's sometimes they're a little like glitzy or whatever. You were saying Ex Machina was like kind of underwhelming. Uh, yeah, like, I didn't love it. But yeah, I would just I would lump him in with the it in that group of contemporary basically science fiction narrative creators yeah and I, I, yeah i like him a lot and well i think the, the the windham connection is interesting because it's it's you know chang's I, I would say based on these stories chang's attitude towards the enterprise of science as a whole is as we've said like way on the opposite spectrum from windham totally. um yes where windham is is uh, maybe not totally on the opposite spectrum because Wyndham is also not like a full, full dystopian, you know, we, we, we discussed in the Patreon segment with waste, whether or not the book was eco-fash and just kind of just like yeah, right. return to nature, like destroy civilization, etc. Um, I don't think Wyndham is quite there. Uh, he's a little bit more on the, just kind of I, I, like we got, we need to be cautious. We need to go like this. Yeah. This is all going way too yeah. fast for our, our moral evaluations of it to make any sense. Chang is just like, let's go dude. I mean, he, I wouldn't say he's like, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's like fully like, I, I fucking love science, like Reddit person. Um, right. but he's def certainly m- more optimistic about the, um, sort of moral and humanistic implications of science than someone like Wyndham. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like his caution is far outweighed by his like expectation that it will just merely re- like reveal more about us in you know these very like supposedly non scientific ways. There's even a short story in here where science is basically just directly described as a religion. Uh, that was kind of the weird. last one. That Not the last, the second, second to last, to last I think. one, second to last yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so yeah. Well, let's get into it then. Um, All right. So there's actually I, I, one thing that I found interesting, just from a purely formal perspective, uh, is that there's not a a ton of stories in this book. Like a lot of short story collections are, especially for one this long. This is like what 350 pages almost. Yeah. There's only like eight, nine, eight or nine stories or something like that because a number of them are pretty beefy, like 40, mm-hmm. 40, 50 pages. And then there's the novella. It's like 120. 
Um, yeah. And then there's a couple that are that are much shorter. But in general, like there's these these were pretty beefy stories, uh, which I thought was was interesting at least um, from sort of just like a short story collection perspective. What that normally looks like, you know. Um, yeah. Well, the long ones are like newer. I would say that sort of correlates. And then there's like there's one that's like two pages. Yeah. And then uh, yes, yeah, which is my favorite like one. Actually, like spoilers. That was your favorite one, the short one. Yeah. Okay. That's the second one, right? Mm, that's the third one. Third one. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's. All right. So let's jump into it. So the first story is entitled "The Merchant at and the Alchemist's Gate," um, mm-hmm. and this is about it's a guy. Uh, it, it, the the setup is that it's a guy kind of telling some unknown kingly type sultan figure it takes place in the middle east it's at some unspecified previous date um and uh he's sort of relating to him this odd experience that he's had with a weird sort of shopkeeper guy who has a time travel gate invention basically right um and it kind of circles back in on itself and there's stories within the story um i this one I was very excited about to start. Like I liked the setup. Um, yeah, the guy putting his hand through the teleporter and it coming out like a couple seconds later or whatever. And yeah, then he's it, like, I got a big one of these, and it's like however the size relates to the time dilation or whatever. It's yeah, it's and kind I think of fun. the big one is like what twenty years or something. Twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's basically about you know. Uh, how people deal with the past and the future and how we would deal with it if we had access to it sort of in an, uh, in a more or less unfettered way um, through a, some, this sort of tech technological, you know, I, I'll say this because <coughs> I'm just going to, I'm just being negative the whole episode, mm-hmm. but in, in the, in the um, Oates, the Joyce Carol Oates review, she, um, I think, absurdly mentions <laughs> Chang in the same as like a uh, inheritor of like Borges. I heard this shit too, man, from and, somebody else. And I almost pooped my pants when I, <laughs> when I read that because it, it, I was like, this is, that's a joke. It has to be a joke. Um, obviously like it's, I'm not saying hold every vaguely sci-fi writer to the standard of Borges or fantasy short story writer, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say I do think Chang is inviting that sort of uh, a comparison, and this story in particular gave me some some like Borges vibes in terms of the setup. Um, yeah, yeah. This but was kind of the only one that felt that way though, to me. Execution, very different story. Yeah. Well, also this story is very very different than the rest of them too. It's like I would say in terms of the scientific element, it's the, it's the only like fantastical one. Um, true in terms of just like not, not it's it's not science based it's like magic you're like in the Middle East in the past and there's this mystical guy yeah there's, and there's, it, there's no explanation about how this thing was invented or what it is which is which, and it kind of reads like a fable too there's like three different stories about three different guys that go through the time travel process yes and it, it reads like a like a fable yeah I I didn't mind this one I it was just like uh you know, it, it, it takes the time travel concept like, you know, I, at this point in my life, uh, 
time travel stories are it's tough for me to w- get excited about them like the, <laughs> right. yeah because and this one takes the route of um you can't change the past right like basically like or the future arguably or the right like uh whatever it's called uh time is a a time like uh a time like curve or a time like loop a strange time like loop whatever they call this idea like you know you can only like I also thought that the like um, the sort of conclusion about about the implications of the uh, alchemists like Obsidian Gates and like what they do is like you can only sort of enrich your understanding of like what is what has occurred. Elder Scrolls, ex- Elder Scrolls floor oblivion. <laughs> 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 and Looper and yeah. uh, you know like and that's showing you can Netflix, shake so your own hand. About- Huh. What was that? Uh, the time traveler's wife, which is a movie. They're coming out soon as a movie. Mm-hmm. Dark. The show Dark on Netflix. The Journey oh, Dark. Show. Yeah. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Same thirty-three concepts. year time loops, and you just keep going back and forth, and you just can't change a thing. Honestly, just yeah. honestly, just watch Primer. Like Primer just ended the conversation for me. I was yeah. saying that too. Yeah. yeah. Just the coolest, most like in like rigorous and cool exploration of that I- that idea that you can't you're just creating feedback loops essentially like you're you, you can't alter I- either outcome you can just enrich the interactions that make it so uh, I guess and time right. crimes you guys have not you've never watched time crimes it's a I've, I've mentioned it like two years ago I remember it's a great movie has either of you seen time I haven't seen this but time cop do you know what this time cops uh, ruling on uh, time I, is? I've, I've not seen time cop. Is this like a B movie yeah yeah, uh, Van no. Dam? No, don't don't uh, talk it, about time it, crimes it, in the same it sentences. It might be. Wait, what? Time you don't cop. want someone to mention time cop and with time crimes, dude? Come on, that's time crimes is actually a really good movie. You guys haven't seen it. It's I, it, to I, me, it's like up there with Primer. It's great. I believe you, dude. I believe you. That's okay. I believe you. Um. So anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, I I I think this was probably my second favorite of the stories. Um. Because I yeah, I it was. It, it wasn't offensively bad uh, to me. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it is sort of an interesting um, because basically Paul mentioned the like fable quality of it and all of these kind of mini stories within stories, because what happens is the the main character is like talking to the shopkeeper and it's like, yo, I want to go through this gate. Um, and he has to send him to his other shop. So this takes place in Baghdad. But yeah. his other shop with the old, the one that goes for 20 years is back in Cairo. So he has to go there right. and do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's sort of asking him about what it's like. And the the shopkeeper tells him these stories of other people who have gone through it and kind of what they did with it. Um, yeah. And it's in the classic uh, fable sort of uh, triplicate, right? There's yes. like the mm-hmm. three three stories, each, each showing a, a sort of success, a cautionary, and then like a... a a complication, like an unintended, uh, yeah. to give the full spectrum before we get this uh, this guy who's relating his own experiences, like account of when he goes through the gate. Yeah. So the the first fable story, I forget the order that they're in exactly, but the first one, if I'm remembering correctly, is the guy who goes through and like discovers that he became rich. Yes. Right. He's a scarf it, guy. Yeah, yeah. He's like a he sells textiles. Um, and he goes through and he sees 20 years in the future that he's rich now. And he's like, what the hell? How, how did this happen? This is sick. 
Um, and so he seeks out his 20 years in the future self and ha- they have a conversation and the guy's like, um, I don't want to, he, like, he's like, no, he's like, he, he basically goes like, no spoilers. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except he, t- he gives him like some coordinates in the desert to go find. Right. Yeah. And he does. And it's basically buried treasure. He does some, he does, he does some cheeky, like, just like we catastrophic, like don't get hit by this, uh, you know, horse carriage that's like, uh, gone gone out of control yeah walk on the right side of the street on this day instead of the left yeah but then like the weird paradoxical element of it is like he knew that he said that to himself yes because he already lived it you know what i mean like he didn't actually make him move out of the way but that, that, that that's the kind of thing i like about these kind of time travel stories though well and that's one of the interesting implications of the way that this one is done is that it seems like Real brain tickler. It's just gonna be a yeah. loop. It's just gonna be a loop forever, right? Because that guy, when when he reaches twenty years in the future, he's also then waiting for his younger self to come through the time machine to talk right. to him. Like that's an experience that he's gonna have in the future. So it yeah. just is like infinitely looping almost, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing. That's the strange time like curves nature. Yeah. Uh um, and then the other so like story, the, future. the other story is about a dude who, yeah, like that, yeah, exactly. Back to the future too. Just if, yeah. it, let's just, if you have any more time With travel Beth. things, just name them now, get them all out. Time um, bandits, <laughs> Ter- Terminators, all of them. Avengers, all the Terminators. Avengers. Avengers yep. <laughs> um, I'll think of more. Yeah, I bet we will. Uh, but yeah. And so what the second one's what it's about a guy who like goes into the future and, sees that his future self has not improved his life as much as he was expecting and then winds yeah. up like stealing from himself in the future. Right. Yep. And taking it back and living extravagantly becoming yeah, becoming destitute and then oh no, I have to sneeze. No, I <laughs> the worst feeling. <laughs> oh, love that. I love Bless that for you. you. Sorry everybody. And, um, and then that's that one is serves like Matt was saying the role of the sort of cautionary tale because this guy basically just fucks himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he well, fucks himself he, like, in a his, weird way. Like it's like the money gets stolen from him or something when he's a younger self, when he's his younger self. But his older self like already knows that his money is going to be stolen from him. Which, so he, tr- he tries to hide it. But then again, it's like wouldn't he know where the last place he hid it was? So why why did he put it in that drawer? <laughs> Well, that his younger self—that was my main like Mauler question. I was like, Mauler, if he—I uh, <laughs> don't know. It just that kind of goofed me. But this one invites less of a Mauler, uh, shitty, you know, kind of impulse in me, be- almost because of the fable sort of mm. nature mm-hmm. of it, or the the allegory, or whatever it is. Um, whereas the other stuff is like hard sci-fi, like hard sci-fi, fucking hard. <laughs> where it's just rock solid and there's no the you know the, the rigorously engaging with the concept yeah um i think this one still made sense internally yeah uh it's just weird it's just like a weird it's just a weird thing to think of and that's what kind of made it like kind of pleasant to think well about and the, and, the, and the and the final fable story right is like it's the wife of the original of the first guy goes through mm-hmm. And she basically like fucks the younger version of the guy. She jailbaits yeah. his, her younger husband. Yeah, yeah. In the past, so right. that he's good at fucking her as a young woman. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of weird. It's kind of weird. That yeah. one's about 
being horny in general. It's a horny fable. <laughs> well, so yeah. So and then the, the 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 actual guy, the main character of the story, ultimately does go through right because he's mm-hmm. wants to see his uh, try or try to save his wife who dies. Right. Yep. Um. Yep. Or or whatever, and uh, he can't ultimately. Right. The same thing happens. Um. And so I, you know, I guess the the takeaway is that like even if we had access to technology like this it would be about generating additional insight rather than actually affecting events right yeah, yeah. and i and this well, instantiation yeah. of time time travel yeah and i just have i just i just have to say like right now this this was one of my big problems with these stories is that there's basically like a fucking labeled paragraph that's like this is the moral of this story at the end of every fucking one. Oh, it's, and it's it, like it, you're it's a training wheels book. It's like you're it, reading a book. That's of what training it feels wheels. like. It's like yeah. it's like it's really weird. It's like baby's first philosophical concept, free yeah. will. Like, <laughs> and, yeah, and I have to mention right now that this is a New York Times uh, national bestseller and top ten books of 2020. Apparently, also it made me sad. One of the best, like on the back, dude. It says one of the one of the one of the best books of the year. Washington Post, Time, NPR, Esquire, Fox, AV Club, Guardian, Financial Times, Dallas Morning News. It's like I, I just I anyway, whatever. We've only talked about Those one. People story. have diapers on. They must have diapers on. They have literal Listen, diapers. And we, we don't have pants. to get. In, we don't have to get into the you know weird nature of the hype machine. Yeah. And yeah. What and its yeah, own yeah. motivations to do so. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it it yeah. really did just feel. For me, and I'm going to come back to this point, but like someone who has had a little taste of philosophical education and like was trying to make that into something more significant than it than it actually is. And then Mm -hmm. turning it into all these little like I'm just going to read it because um, this story gets Reddit gold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So this is how the, the first story ends. And this is just out of nowhere. Like, no one says this. This is just fucking... This, or I guess this is the guy still talking, because it's all the guy talking to the uh, king. Talking to the emperor. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Here we go. I would be honored to relate everything I know of the future if your majesty sees fit to ask. But for myself, the most precious, precious knowledge I possess is this. Nothing erases the past. There is repentance, there is atonement, and there is forgiveness. That is all, but that is enough. It's like, okay, that's literally just, you said, here's the moral of the story. Thanks. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I don't just know. Excluding that, that would have made it better, right? Really like, rubs me the wrong way, that kind of thing. Um, and it doesn't help talking about, like, diapers and, and babies. <laughs> we haven't talked yeah. about it yet, but, like, Chang's writing is so, I can't think of a better word than basic. Like, it's so, so sparse and not sparse in, like, a creative way. It's just, it's just literally just, like functional yeah yeah Yeah, and and i guess this gets back to the technical writer thing a goes to point a goes to point b character a goes to point b this is yeah it's so direct it's like i was thinking about like other really kind of concise clear direct writers and i i was just thinking about mirakami and i was like uh the the only comparison can be the word sparseness but there's such there's something that's so lacking in Chang's writing is just like he, he's missing like huge elements that make writing interesting. Well, you know me. what I was, did you ever see the uh, show party down? Yes. Oh my God. I love no. that show. I might put this as an audio clip somewhere in the app, but like 
there's that whole episode where I I, I forget uh, Gilfoyle. Who, who the fuck is the guy who plays Gilfoyle in like Silicon Valley? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that actor's name. That guy, yeah, uh, he he's like right. He's like the grumpy nerd who's like trying to write a science fiction script with his friend. Yes, and they're like at David Gutenberg's house catering like a birthday, and uh, the like subplot of that episode was like basically them being hard sci-fi nerds who like hate like philosophical sort of fantastical. They're like we want to know how the ion cannons function and <laughs> and like the physics of it, right. or it's mm-hmm. stupid and it's for babies. Uh, and then, but then slowly, like everyone, like reads their script, and they're like, "Your your script is super boring and unengaging. Uh, like, I don't care about any of the stuff that's going on." Uh, and they slowly like learn to like add human warmth to it as everyone sort of like over the course of the episode like pitches ideas about how to. I don't know. I was just thinking about that, like, uh, which is so weird because I I got that same vibe from from Chang's writing, and and it it's just I I I, I was being gaslit. By the hype machine about this book because everything I read about it, all the reviews, everything was it's so deeply human and 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 warm and so yeah, soulful. Someone called it fucking soulful. soulful. It's like, well, is your soul made out of freaking cardboard? Is it like a cardboard cutout? (laughs) And I just I didn't get circuit board any of that at all uh, throughout. No, it was lacking any soul. Are people that starved for like a, a sort of more positive? basic like uh, uh tone in sci-fi that it this could is be like holy shit you know i do I think we do have a glut of like dystopia and post-apocalypse i mean that's true but very yeah. true Th- yeah that's very true and you know whatever else you want to say about it which i'm going to continue to say <laughs> uh i think you know yeah chang is is certainly doing something different from what almost all other sci-fi media is doing right now that's that's for sure yeah. Well, I, and I think your his background is is a little relevant. I know it's not it, but it's like uh yeah, he was a computer engineer in school. He wrote tech for he wrote he did technical writing for a really long time and did writers workshops. And uh it's it just feels very evident, you know. Uh like like Paul you were saying like, "Oh, this causes this." And like here's and now we need to add an element of surprise and here's a character who needs a sort of uh you know, a a, a a personal issue that they need to resolve, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it feels by the numbers. And one of the things that people said a lot about Chang, even fans of his, a lot of the time was, like, it's not so much about the writing, it's about the ideas you're engaging with, you know? Like, but the, even that argument, I'm just like, well... But, yeah, that and, and when that's all you have... Ideas, uh, like, I, I was thinking, because I really... I don't know why I thought it was from 2008, but there's a, there's a story in here about... We'll get to it, but it's about, like... um basically like being able to see all your memories throughout your entire life. And there was a black mirror episode like that, like season three or something. And oh, I was much like, better, oh, much better than I'm, the they version. must have stolen this because he wrote it in 2008, but then it's 2020. I'm like, so he, he's like, he, he, he almost feels behind now that I think about it. It's written in 2020. A lot of the ideas seem like already kind of out of date to me, but I guess yeah. we'll get to and, that later. And, but. and even black mirror, I just think of when Felix from Chapo is making fun of it. It's like, you know, what if your what if your girlfriend was a computer? <laughs> yeah. What if you could? What if you plugged your dog into the outlet? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah. yeah. It, that's it, kind of how this book feels. Well, I think that's that was the thing that bothered me the most. Like, I'm fine with straightforward, simple writing. Although I think Matt is dead on that a lot of the writing in here is just very like 
very clearly like newbie fresh out of a writer's workshop thing like it's just by or it's the, like writing that you would write like if it, he could write a great book about like putting together an engine and how an engine works which i'm sure he did which i'm sure very he, very yeah, clear yeah, yeah yeah it's probably that's yeah, true um but but my bigger problem is precisely with the ideas it's it's right. such it's such um baby philosophy that i i'm i'm it's just like literally what you were just saying that that chapo skit about black mirror is just like free will man like it's what is it does it exist it's weird right like what if what if a computer could predict your actions dude like wouldn't that make you feel fucking weird gabe can i let me (laughs) like anyone like duh dude what the fuck (laughs) i I love hate i love the hatred against because gabe is in this zone and against my own feelings i'm going to just push back a little bit in defense and say like is there not a place for uh, for a kind of <coughs> this middle ground, right? This middle ground, the mid, it's mids. It's like you you have something that's complicated enough to really like get uh, a, a reluctant reader or maybe someone more casual involved in in ideas and potentially then explore them further. Do you think this? Yeah, could that's be yeah. Like this is a perfect a book for the view. Like Sharon Osbourne, go ahead, read this book. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, the answer to your question, Matt, is obviously yes. Um, the, you know, I think that that's probably why a lot of people, this book resonated with them, or Chang's work in general has resonated with them, is because it's, it's, it's sort of dipping a toe, you know, into these really fucking deep, complicated issues that have hundreds of years of very smart people thinking and writing about them, and Chang kind of like, in a in a pop popular kind of easy to read easy to digest way yeah raising these issues for people i get that but uh, but mm-hmm. yeah it's like alain de Botton, right the isn't oh he like god a, yeah no yeah but you know what i mean like yeah. like a similar i think he believes he's doing a similar thing too right like philosophy for the people and, and like ted chang is like he's kind of doing a similar thing like the, here are some because like a lot of sci-fi also is more or less philosophical thought experiments yeah. just beefed into a narrative. And so he's mm-hmm. also maybe doing that. That's that's my yeah, that my only def- pushback there. Yeah, yeah. And and there there are some, you know, I think for the educate like whatever, that's a problematic way to say it. But for the person who has a <laughs> lot of experience with philosophy, there are some things and some some deep cuts in here that you can find if you if you're looking for them. Um you know, a couple, there's like some William James references, I think, who James wrote a lot about free will uh, and a, mm-hmm. a, a couple other little things. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, over, I just, you know, I wanted more. Like, I, I like I like when the ideas in the sci-fi are really like put like pushing the issue and not just kind of raising it, if that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We should probably. We've, well, we're, just we're, yeah. We're like all, to get back not. to the story, I kind of wanted to like summarize what I thought the message of the story was that goes through the lines of like most of the stories is that like even though this one isn't heavily like tech technical sci-fi like computer sci-fi, it's more like magical. I would say that it's the main character going through this process of learning about the quote-unquote technology or the magic, learning about the. Um, the potential like negative effects that it could have but going through with it anyway and then he ends up having a pretty negative experience but then eventually being grateful for the experience and i feel like that's kind of chang's message is like throughout the whole book it's like 
yeah. go through with the experience, accept the technology, and we are going to grow as a species in the end. Right. That's yeah. I think that's one hundred percent. And and now speaking of non magical exhalation, the the title story is about. Yep. Uh, a bunch of robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pr- yep, with pretty, tubes. Pretty, pretty much, right? <laughs> I was the most sort of. I was the most sort of like. This just sort of failed me conceptually. Even like I didn't really know. <coughs> do, do you guys have a better even understanding of what? Maybe this is where I'm an idiot. But like, I was like, are they just learning about like uh, equilibrium or like uh, uh, the finitude of of? Like what's going on? <laughs> so, so yeah. So the the conceit of the story is that it's about basically a. It, it, I don't know if it's explicitly robots, but it's beings that function with artificial lungs, basically like the way you would like replace like a fucking air canister and a paintball gun or something. Like that. Yeah, that yeah. That's how the lungs work. You know what I mean for these creatures. Everything um, felt very like uh, steampunk. Like they were steampunk yes, robot people. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're, they've basically, they, they live in this kind of like hermetically pressurized world almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was imagining like a flat earth bubble. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bubble. Like a Cause, snow globe. Cause, well, cause he talks like about, a snow globe, yeah. cause he talks about like a huge wall of metal that g- reaches up apparently infinitely and they can't see the top of it. Right. And then um, there's like a big reservoir of air underneath yeah. that they draw from. And they are have reached a point in their society where the air consumption is changing the pressure pressurization, like the, between the consumption of the air and the expulsion of it, the air pressure is changing and everything is going to shit. And they're starting to, they're starting to like lose their mental faculties. Um, yeah. They're slowing down and they're, they're starting to like be out of sync with their hyper mechanized otherwise, you know, kind of world. Yes. And basically it's a story about like, what, what do we do as a society when faced? I mean, I kind of thought it was like about climate change basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's this inevitable thing coming that we have created through our consumption of a a resource that we mistakenly thought was like more or less infinite, functionally infinite. um, And it's kind of making us reevaluate our, our, uh, the world we live in. Right. Yep. In this case, it was like the air was um, not understood, not only not understood to be f- finite, uh, but that it was also the main character, whoever, however you want to call it, was like d- making the discovery that it affected their brains in a way that they weren't aware. Like there was something about memory, and that's why the sinking was happening. They realized was like the air was like fluttering gold foil, <laughs> right. In their brains, that was like switching binaries, and uh, you know, yeah, I, it was a while ago that I read this, but was it, I mean, it's called exhalation. Was it was kind of like the uh, the system where like not enough air is coming in, and the the air that they were expelling was killing them. Also, it it just couldn't be reused in the same way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the main character ends up like doing an experiment on his brain, and they end up like having some sort of technological breakthrough where they end up being hopeful that they can get through this process, but then like years go by and it just, it turns into like, they just can't. Yeah. They, yeah. They, here we go. They realize that it, they, they are going to die as a species. Right. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they basically learn that they will die. And here is a quintessential Ted Chang ending. Though I am long dead as you read this explorer, I offer to you a valediction. Contemplate the marvel that is existence and rejoice that you are able to do so. 
I feel I have the right to tell you this because as I am inscribing these wor- words, I am doing the same. So it's kind of like, be here now, we're all going to die. Just literally, <laughs> like, here's the moral of the story. Yeah. Literally just shoot me in the back of the head right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can relate to the story in the sense that I'm a I'm basically a climate doomer, and I think humans are going to go extinct. Uh, but, right. but, yeah, in terms of the, like, the again, like, here's the moral stated plainly and fucking with a f- asterisk you know what i mean like notice this mm-hmm. here's the moral i just ugh. um here's another passage that i wanted to read from this one just because it's it's another one where it's like a little a little bit of a baby baby philosophy concept um yeah so this is from that scene that paul referenced earlier where the guy is dissecting his own brain to try to figure out where like why the stuff is happening and how he discovers it so he has hooked himself up to machines that he can remotely manipulate to open his head and all the parts of his head are kind of like separated and and apart connected by tubes and stuff so that's the context as i contemplated this vista i wondered where my body was the conduits which displaced my vision and action around the room were in principle no different from those which connected my original eyes and hands to my brain for the duration of this experiment were these manipulators not essentially my hands were the magnifying lenses at the end of my periscope not essentially my eyes? I was an everted person. There's a word if anyone needs one. Uh, oh, nice. I'm dibs. I, I, was an, <laughs> I, I was an everted person with my tiny, fragmented body situated at the center of my own distended brain. It was in this unlikely configuration that I began to explore myself. And so, okay, talking about, like, locating the self, classic philosophical problem, read Bernard Williams, Problems of the Self, uh, also, like ideas of, of sort of uh, like Chalmers, the extended mind, and that kind of thing. It's a little bit different, uh, but you know, yeah, like I, I get, I get what he's drawing on, but it's just like, I don't know, it doesn't go anywhere enough for me. It, yeah, and it, it's it's gestured at, not even just, it's just sort of like stated real quick, in what is ultimately something that is not a, not, it doesn't feel like really about that. It's just more about like. Yeah, we learned something that was uh, an unfortunate truth, an inconvenient truth. Yeah, right. right. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, now we have to be appreciative. Yeah, and I and I do think like in this story, I mean, I do think that like wholesome, but just like yeah, wholesome. And I do think that like the question of the sort of existential question of of uh, species level extinction is one that needs to be reckoned with. Me personally, and I think that that's. Cool that that he's raising that question in this uh, story, um, but yeah, again, like just sort of disappointingly shallow. Just like raising raising the base level of the question, but not really engaging with any of the implications. To me, my favorite yeah. part of the story was probably just like wondering what these beings were actually like. And I was trying to piece together what, like, what exactly are they? Because they they do have brains and lungs, so I assumed that they were created by actual humans. And I was just thinking, like, there's not enough pieces in the puzzle in the story to put together the puzzle. I don't think, but I was just picturing them as like, on like a like a scientist's workbench or something, and they were just in this small world that was created. And maybe the maybe they their time goes by quicker or something, so they're gonna run out of air. But the scientists could put more in. But it's like it's been twenty minutes or something, and time goes by slower. I was could, just picturing yeah. better yeah, sci-fi be. in my head. 
Well, yeah, I thought they were like little guys in a computer, basically, or something like that. Mm. I thought it was going to be like mm-hmm. reboot or something. But then we'd or have like a clock. that that episode no. of Are You Afraid of the Dark when they get stuck in the pinball machine. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But then you then you have a clockmaker god concept, which is not. That's not what Chang wants to talk about. Right? No, but he inadvertently is talking about that. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about the third story, the shortest one, uh, what's expected of us. And, Paul, you said this was your favorite one, so why? I did. I mean, I, it was – I just feel like he got to the point really quickly. It's like two pages, and it. I, I like the kind of horror element that is implied. Like ba- Basically, like there's this device that um, – it basically like predicts if what is it, Matt? I'm I'm losing my train of thought, but it's like it predicts if you're gonna it's just a button do something like, or not. It's a button. It just predicts, it if, predicts if you're, if you're gonna, gonna press, press it. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just dealing directly with kind of like Sam Harris free will type stuff, right? And basically, if like if you use this enough and you're like you know playing with it and it it'll it'll just continually be correct. So it basically proves that free will is like not real. And the people that end up using it for a long, a prolonged period of time end up going crazy and they, they can't do anything, you know. Um, but then the end of the story, too, is that like it's like doesn't even matter if this is happening. you got to live your life. Even even though we all know now that free will is not real, um, you have to uh, just do what you got to do, man. So it did end in like the kind of cheesy tone. But I, I did really enjoy like the kind of the horrible thought of like that actually happening to people if that was real well the key and is- that's another theme for chang right like people getting into these bad addictive insanity inducing relationships with new technologies yeah yeah I th- I, I, the key is right like the key phrasing he uses because chang it believes in free will I, I watched a couple interviews people obviously asked him about it in reference to this book and he's like yeah i'm a uh, I don't know. I don't understand this theory very well, but he said he's a compatibilist. Compatibilism, yeah, it's, it's yeah. bullshit. It does make sense. That's just my. It, it just doesn't make. Okay, I have no no idea, so I'll I'll reserve judgment on that. <laughs> uh, but that's what he says. He is. It doesn't make. It certainly doesn't make sense immediately to me, instinctively knowing what it's supposed to meld. Like obviously, but um, but yeah. So the phrasing of of this was like uh, was all about the choice of how to react to the game uh i think that's what's key for him there yeah and Mm -hmm. i'm being cheeky obviously compatibilism is a real philosophical view that serious people believe i i reject it i'm I'm a i'm a libertarian about free will um but what i will say is the the shout out that i got from this story is is to william james who famously wrote about free will um I, i don't remember the exact language but something to the effect that like uh, I believe in free will, um, and uh, if I am correct, then great, free will exists. Uh, and if I'm incorrect, then I had no choice in the matter in the first place. So yeah, and that's quote. that's basically where where Chang is going with this, like the because this is written basically as like a, a sort of like a letter from someone in the society to an unknown future person. That's just sort of just like. Hey, you need to just make the choice to believe and behave as if free will exists, even in the even if it turns out that it doesn't. I I also mm-hmm. liked this one, um, probably because of its length as well. Like I, I I thought it just like we were saying like you know it's these things kind of raise but don't explore 
questions, and that's deeply disappointing if you have any in- have it had any presiding interest in this stuff for <laughs> any duration of time it's just a little not a lot but this one because it's so short it is just a fun like kind of spooky brain teaser more than anything else so I, yeah for sure yeah I, I thought it was punchy and, and and pretty affecting in general just like the idea of taking an innocuous game like the game right if you think about the game you lost the game kind of thing <laughs> it's like one of those right. like yeah. just like silly things that starts to be maddening like uh mm-hmm. yeah so I thought it was all right. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move to the beefy boy. Are we going to make a right. beefy boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have time. We'll give okay. we'll give the people the content here. Um, so the the life cycle the life cycle of software objects. This is the longest story in the book by a fair margin. Um, the last one's pretty long, but this one's about 110 pages. Um, so a novella functionally. And I'll say this: one thing you may have noticed. Uh, in the first three stories is that there weren't really any characters and this story has characters and um, probably shouldn't have (laughs) in terms of in in terms of Chang's uh, ability to 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 write dialogue and characters I'll just say that and human interaction yeah this is his this is his this is his like long this is the concept he chose to explore this is what we've been kind of annoyed uh, bummed out by in his other stuff it's 110 pages or whatever so he's 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 trying now he's like what are the what is the long term this takes the story takes place over years uh and yeah it involves human beings who interact with each other in very good normal human ways and <laughs> you know have relationships with each relationship other relationship drama uh, yeah yeah right, who wants to take a shot at the summary on this one i'll start it out i'll give it a little go I mean, it basically is about um, this girl named Anna who gets hired at a company um, and she uh, basically is in charge of raising these AI creatures called Digimon. Digimon? I've heard Digi- I heard it, I read it a thousand times and I can't. Oh, Digians. Digians. Which are basically like little, in the beginning, they're kind of like little animal uh I don't really know. They how are like to they're like Neopads, to a real dude. thing. They're like, they're like Neopads. Neopads. They're cute. They're like little Pokemon, Tamagotchi. It's like they're designed to be super um, adorable and have adorable. Like pleasant personalities. And she and her character is uh, she. She used to work at a zoo and take care of animals and like help raise baby animals. So um, she ends. They end up hiring her because they want her to ha- kind of have that human interaction as they are raised. Yeah, they, they they they're AI, but it's like we're in some world where there's we're in some sort of like near future where there's a lot yeah. of tech. And one of the things that's being developed is uh, like autonomous AI that kind of like le- that learns and um, uh, kind of develops I- I- in a somewhat impoverished form of, of human intelligence. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're like they're the kind of first people on the ground. I can't remember the name of uh, oh. their company. Yeah, I'll find it. But they're on a they're on basically a blast uh neuroblast is like their yeah. like AI software. Mm-hmm. Um and everyone like kind of exists in this world where there's like a, a second life, like everyone has like a sort of metaverse fucking second second life second life sort type of world. Avatar com- world and it's called Data Earth that everyone goes to. And the company so like she works for is Blue Gamma. Blue Gamma, right. Blue Gamma. 
So there's there's some commentary on like uh, the metaverse essentially and uh, existing in two layers of reality, and that's to, that's to invite you know the the question of of what counts and well and uh, as the ais grow and like you know the blue gamma company ends up making these fairly unique ai creatures that have the ability to like read and they end up like uh what's well, the, the go, other, i mean the, he goes into like a lot of the deep... makes the ones that can read right oh really no really yeah oh okay or they're more trainable for whatever reason I yeah, their literacy is higher, but they they're not as like lovable. That's Basically, what. I, yeah, that was the major difference. They're sort Blue of gamma. Can they have? They can grow like emotionally more. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of like the idea that keeps you know the main character Anna and some other people attached to them. But they're like kind of marketed as yeah, basically like stunt neopet kind of things that you can take care of in real time and data earth, and then a bunch of comp- competing developers try and make their own taxed AI and it's kind of like startups fighting each other mm-hmm. in data earth for like the AI products that matter and uh, Anna's travails as she tries to keep Blue Gamma afloat and then it sinks under the competition and funding issues and but she's like basically loves her Digiant and yeah. uh, considers it uh, a, a life form worth uh, keeping alive and happy. The, the and funny and thing about this story to me, I, I kept thinking like, you know, it, it, it talks about AI type creatures that, uh, you know, I can't help but relate to other stories that deal with like more advanced AI type beings. Um, so it, it felt like a, a, a back to that first step almost in that process that could happen. And it's dealing with babies, like little baby creatures. And I was like, well, this is, it's a baby idea too. Like this idea has already been like almost not fully, but it's like it. We've heard this idea so many times. You know what I mean? And um, I, I'm not gonna totally bash it because there were some interesting like details and elements that he goes into that kind of relate to like more of the world we live in now in terms of startup companies and like yeah. corporations battling and lawyers. It is. Um, it's dealing with more things at once, which I appreciate in relation to, or in in relation to how little the other stories kind of do this. So, like this is Chang going harder and and trying to synthesize a number of issues. It feels like you're right. So it's it's not it's not the straightforward. It's not quite the straightforward moral. I would say. I don't know no. if you agree with me. On yeah. That. No, I agree with you on that on this one. I mean, I, and I think that uh, yeah, like Paul said, there were definitely. There's there's much more going on here, and there were some very funny, kind of cool uh, little imp- implications that Chang teases out, like w- the new the new ones developed by the other company whose name is escaping me that are like kind of smarter, but like more emotionally like less emotionally developed. They start being you know brought by gamers as like companions into like the uh, a game that has a lot of puzzles because they're good at solving puzzles <laughs> yeah um and like those those kinds of things i thought were like were pretty um you know funny and and well well observed um on chang's part uh and i think that you know there's a number of like little moments like that i think like you guys have been saying the the discussion of startup culture i think is like pretty pretty good here and and i really did feel like this was probably the one story that like evoked any actual emotions from me other than 
anger. Um, but but in terms of like when the, the when the servers like the support servers start getting shut down and like they're having all these problems trying to migrate the Digimon over to the to the other uh, to the other like platforms and stuff, and they're just like alone on this like hollow like empty space that there's no server support for it like i that was that was evocative and that was like well done i thought um i felt i felt some genuine sadness like damn dude this is just a fucking little little digimon alone in this empty fucking digital landscape that probably sucked balls yeah the people were the people were rough sledding to read about but dear the, god the, the digians yeah. were cute yeah yeah it's like the, a little panda bear that like just like isn't a fully fleshed out, you know, uh, virtual world with like f- the full suite of physics and everything. And there's nobody there. Yeah, very sad. And I, I did like the there. There's elements of them like having real life avatars too. That was pretty cool. Like the development of them actually. Oh yeah, because the, there's the little the uh, there's the little like um, I don't know what the name of the fish is, but the little like sucker fish on the bottom of the the whales. You know what I mean? There's Remora. Remora, yeah, that's or what I'm pilot saying. fish. Or yeah, whatever. something like that. But there's all these companies that make auxiliary products, right? So there's the one that, right. ma- that makes the little robot that you can upload your Digimon into, and it can walk around and it'll display its face on its face. And it has it has like a it has like haptic feedback like hands and feet and stuff so like the digians can come out into the world and like touch things and uh yo the digians literally need to touch grass <laughs> they <laughs> honestly dude and they do and they love it dude i i thought i thought that was a kind of funny scene where the jacks i think comes out and he's like obsessed with arm hair yeah he's like what the fuck is this like this is crazy <laughs> yeah he tries to pick up poop yeah yeah. Yeah. So definitely some funny, you know, like touching well, moments. There's some, there's some dark moments too of them diving kind of deep into the programming of like, what if someone ends up torching a Digimon? And yeah. There's like some sort of yeah. fail safe system. So they'll like shut down so they can't actually feel it. But then hacker, there's like a, a program, like a virus program that gets implemented. So it kind of shuts it down. And there's like, it, there's actually, there's also like pretty interesting emails that break up the story. They go back and forth, and at one point they're talking about like a Digian who gets basically tortured because his program was overrided, and it's pretty dark and scary. And there's mo- other moments where like Jax is like, "I want a blowjob," and yeah, I was just yeah. like, "No, no, you don't, don't." Just creeps me out. Please stop. Well, yeah, because of course all these sick subcultures evolve around like just torturing these things for fun, and like I was wondering if he was gonna. I literally was wondering if he was going to go here. As I was reading, I was like, so I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that because he, he did go there. He did do the rule thirty four, whatever, and he did. <laughs> well, know, and, like, and 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 at the and by the end, like the central moral quandary, because they essentially have to like develop their own kind of like community to 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 raise funds to like do the reprogramming so they can move the digients over to the new platform. Um, and the, like the central moral quandary at the end of the story is the only people willing to offer them the money to do it is just a, a sex company who yeah. just wants to, who just wants to sell the digits to people who want to have sex with them. He named these, co- his naming conventions for the companies was pretty good, but what was this, that the sex company called like blissful? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Um, it was, damn, I got a spot. Binary, binary desire, binary desire. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good name. 
uh, yeah, basically, yeah, this and and they they have this really compelling pitch that's like morally ambiguous enough to be super uncomfortable, but also yes. like persuasive, where they're like, you know, they're programmable. Like, we'll we'll reroute their like positive feedback loop to be for like performing and receiving certain acts and all this kind but of but also but also make it so that they genuinely enjoy it right so right, they, don't, exactly. they don't they don't feel like they're being used they actually just love it and it's a good thing for them the other, the other but the moral quandary of, all, of the argument that he talks about is like but you're also programming them to fit the person that's buying them yes. so that they will like what they like yes and that's and what have, the main characters, Derek and Anna, end up disagreeing about and having a falling out about. Because there's a dystopian element to this in the in the sort of setting of the 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 grounded reality of this near future, where uh, again I'm forgetting all of the terms, but there's like sh- Anna almost thinks about getting a job where something similar would happen to her, and all the human yeah. humans are like, "This is fucked up. You can't do this." And it's like she gets some sort of oxytocin tocin slash opiate inf- infusion. Uh, at this work where well, she has to... It, it, so she was con- contemplating taking a job with the other company who has the, the like, autist robots. Yeah, um, right. and But they were... One of the conditions of getting the job is that she has to be injected with this thing that would make her feel connected to them that in a way in in a way that like wouldn't organically happen because they're like not emotionally developed and and they're cold and they suck um (laughs) and uh you know yeah so that's her that's her sort of quandary at the end there so that was the real that was just i think that was just supposed to be the real like the human, like this is not acceptable to a human. But then, like they, the binary desire wants to do something essentially similar with the digients and and their like relation to sex a little bit. The thing that I didn't understand about this, like, and why I sort of felt like it was overblown, and maybe this, maybe I'm just like outing myself as just a horrible person or something. But <laughs> even I'm excited. Even in um the the binary desire like proposal it would be it would just be copies right they would just be selling them copies of these uh critters right like it wouldn't be the like it's not like you can only have one because that was the whole thing like people can copy a digiant and use it for there's the rick sanchez burp (laughs) (laughs) and and use it for what's the big deal sell them for sex (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) shout outs shout outs to our apple reviewer um (laughs) But, uh, like, like the the problem. It what was, is what? Who cares? I mean, this is that that the Rick Sanchez point, I guess. Like, you're just making a copy of it. Like, it's not like Anna would have to give up the original Jacks to a sex company. It would just be they would just copy him. Well, this was another one of the you know this is like the Chalmers thing. This is the Chalmers question, yeah. right? Of like, uh, you know, uh, you, Jacks would be copied, but that also means people want. The Jacks who had developed up to the exact moment he was at. Right, right. So she was, she was like the, the what was uncomfortable was like, like it, to what extent is that just the same? Is she still felt and like he, it was Jacks? Yeah. Chang does bring up, uh, doesn't he bring up cloning, really briefly? Like, uh, like a son is cloned, and I, I think this is what too. he was trying to bring up to talk about what was going to happen with the Jacks is like. I forget exactly what happens, but there's like an eight-year-old boy or something that had died, and the like the father and son or father and mother cloned cloned him, I think. Yes. And 
uh, Anna talks about like the emotional stress that that clone must be under just for being a clone. You know what I mean? Right. He was all and like I emo think, and sad. Yeah, just like trying to live up to the expectations <laughs> of a dead uh, son. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so a nice are, dark I, yeah. little detail thrown in there. I think you throw that in there just to like bring up the human aspect of that even for the yes. the robots. Is that like, you know, would would Jax be okay with just them they're just being other versions of himself? Would that not affect him emotionally? Yeah, Chang does put a, a, a you know human counter par- counter example that's akin to the the digital world, right? Uh, to all these people to just sort of keep things in perspective, I guess, or whatever. Um, yeah, and the, and the and obviously like the other like sort of I- implication is that like of course the uh, the uh, erotic sex toy digital sex toy manufacturer obviously is the one with the most money to throw around yep exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they're flexing yeah yep. you know everything else is like just not gonna be able to they're not gonna be able to afford the server transfer yep yeah i mean there was a again thinking about some of these like you know anna also goes through a discussion with herself about like because she her character used to be a zookeeper right? right which is why she was hired originally to work with these um Digimon and uh she she goes through at the end a conversation about like which I thought was like a little bit edgy for Chang there's a there's a paragraph in there where she's like well why is it bad to fuck animals yeah like, I remember <laughs> <laughs> that was the only time I I was like ooh damn I like, Ted I was like what <laughs> and it's just like yeah yeah so she's comparing the animal like basically she's talking about consent Right. And like, what are the limits and and kind of like when when does consent count? Right. Like how how uh, whatever rational or mentally capable do you have to be for consent to count? Um, Right. And trying to draw that line between the Digimon and animals. Because her first Mm -hmm. example is like if Jax is going to like beat some guy off uh, in in a clone form. She's like that. Feels to me like making a dog like peanut butter off your dick or something. Yes, like exactly. That. Like, right, <laughs> that's right. literally the example t- Chang uses. Right. So yeah. yeah, it gets it gets weird in ways that I found uh, to be more interesting. Uh, it better because it's 110 pages, um, and it, I I I don't know what to make of the fact that this was the the thing that Chang seemed by dint of the length of it to, to have found the most interesting and compelling to keep writing about, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about, you know, I mean, I think it's, yeah. I and mean, it, it's, it's, it raises questions about um, animal rights and yeah. sort of something like owning pets in the first place. Right. Like, which mm-hmm. is a com- morally complicated issue, let alone eating animals and all that stuff, which we don't have to get into, but yeah, I mean, I do think like he, he does a good job of teasing out like a lot of the implications of this kind of thing between the the weird sex people and the startup culture and the implications for animal rights and stuff. So so he does he does go to a lot of important places here. Like this is the this is the story and I and I ultimately I don't think you know I I didn't love it because I was so 
deeply put off by the interactions between the people, which you've already taught, like yeah. re- referenced were just like so cringe and so poorly written and, and fleshed yeah. out. And like, uh, what's the other guy's name? Derek. Derek. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and he just hit, and Polo. his whole, Petula. his whole, like his whole, like I'm I like, I'm an incel gamer and I just love my Digimon so much that my wife leaves me. And then I'm hoping <laughs> that Anna breaks up with her boyfriend. So she, we can just like, fucking goon over our digimon all day yeah like, yeah it's just yeah, like it was toxic very friend zoned gamergate guy yeah, yeah yeah exactly and and it, it wasn't that i disliked his character for those reasons and obviously you know what i mean you, you can you can write a bad character person, well yeah. yeah of course but just the dialogue and the his like when you're inside their minds it, it's just it's very it's really I don't know, bad. badly done there's one there's one like mini chapter break because this this story has like you know mini like chapters within it um and one one ends with anna or derek like his girl his girlfriend at the time ends up leaving him i think because of what you just said and he's like thinking about anna and, i think it was his, know, wife, right? yeah, his, oh, his wife right oh his wife leaves and Chang, you know writes Derek's character is kind of just being like hopeful because he's like, Oh, I've, he's kind of always had feelings for Anna and maybe it'll work out. And the, the chapter break ends with like him going to meet Anna and Anna just saying like, I have big news. Me and Kyle are moving in together. And it's supposed to be like this big so cringe. emotional moment. And I was like, this is just, this is baby writing. Yeah. yeah. Baby yeah. people. This is trash, uh, like you know, daytime melodrama kind of <laughs> yeah, like writing, basically. Exactly. Yeah, I had that like, yeah, days of our lives, like, <laughs> yeah, vision over my face. <laughs> that's spe- that very specific soap opera lighting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just the bad you can acting just picture of his face Derek falling, and and Anna like on webcams with her Digimon in the background. <laughs> I can't be with you. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a panda rock walking around in the background, being like, "I love dancing." <laughs> and blow, and blow jobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Well, yeah. What What else about this story? Anything? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's about AI, so it's also just a, a exploration of the notion of like how AI would develop, and uh, there's some like little. I don't know, like little. I have the vintage edition. I think we all do, right? Like, uh, uh, yeah. <coughs> like these little like uh, explainer pieces at the very back of the. Oh yeah, yeah. Of each story and like kind of Ted Chang giving a, a explanation of what inspired them and what he was thinking about. Yes. Um. So yeah, uh, like the idea that uh, AI, a generalized AI, or some sort of you know fully functioning developing AI would be. Uh, would be more like raising children than than an out of the box just like brilliant thing that could fully do everything and be recognizable also as like something humans could even interact with. Yeah, and I did actually like find Blade Runner type like coming out of a bag in 2049. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Walking down and being a, yeah. being a person. I like did... like a baby deer being born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude. Hey. Lacan, Lacan. <laughs> um Lacan. Yeah, Lacan. Lacan's whole thing is is not Lacan his, my nuts, not his whole thing. Yeah, there you go. Um, nice, bro. That was good. You, you got him. You got him. Got him. Got him. Um, <laughs> but the only, only the only other thing that I did want to note about this is that on the Borges thing, there's an explicit Borges shout out early on uh, in the on the is second there? on the second page. I think um, 
because so data like he's describing data earth and where it's all the different like continents the different gaming continents or whatever and one of them is elder thorn and the other one is orbis tertius which oh. is from a borges story uh yeah is that Tlon? Tlon Ukbar Orbis Tertius is the title oh, okay. of the Borges story, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, well. That was that one. That was that one. And we're going to move on to the remainder of the book in the Patreon segment. If you are enjoying listening to the show and you like the Spinecrackers podcast, and or just any of us personally, if you think we're cool dudes uh, that are... That, yeah, we, we don't leave that kind of stuff off the table. That seem chill or fun, uh, mm-hmm. then you can subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $2 per month to get the full episodes, access to the Discord, um, and uh, there's a bunch of other tiers with various uh, other options Goodies. as well. Goodies. Goodies, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the rest of this episode will be there. And we're gonna move. How do we even do the Harry Potter segment? Can we? I don't think we can. We could do yeah, Anna. Let's... We could do Anna and Derek, and that's it. Okay. All right. You're a wizard, Harry. You just read a book, Harry. <laughs> I did, Hagrid. I did. <laughs> it was all right, I guess. Yeah. Um, Are you doing a Digimon version of Harry, where he's just like saying "fuck" to Hagrid? Digimon Harry. No. Ew! God, Ew! I don't shut up! That. Yeah, don't say that. Curse it! What did I say? Well, no, no, Digimon Harry. Gabe said Digimon Harry, and I didn't like that idea. <laughs> oh, just say okay. <laughs> so this is where we talk about normally what we would do here is uh, put all the characters because we literally just read another book, which means we're allowed to talk about Harry Potter, and you can't stop us. Um, and what we do is put the characters from the book we just read into their respective Harry Potter houses. Obviously, a short story collection makes that a little bit difficult. Um, and the stories that we've talked about don't really have characters except for the last one. So we'll just do those two. Anna and Derek, houses, go. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. For, for both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But why? <laughs> De- dedicated to their Digians, dedicated to each other. True. Yeah. They do love the Digians. Yeah. Are they Ravenclaws? I think Anna might be a Ravenclaw. Because she also kind of like spearheads the community of like people trying to save the Digians from their their dying f- from the kiln of the first flame. Where they're... Where, oh my God. Where they're... So... <laughs> How is that Ravenclaw though? Well, because well, she, she's, I mean, she's, she's she takes, she, she takes and... charge. She's smart. She's kind of... I mean, maybe that's Gryffindor. I don't know. Yeah, I was saying more Gryffindor. Then. Yeah, could be, could be. But she was Ravenclaw by animals. Like you know, she like that was her background raising. Yeah, chimpanzees and she what was that. Yeah, zoologist? Her, her her icons were Jane Goodall and. Uh, yeah, Jane Goodall's a Ravenclaw. And the other one. I feel like Jane Goodall might be a Hufflepuff though. I feel like she might be a Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> bonus, bonus housing round. <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna say Hufflepuff for both of them. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite the bullet and say Anna is a Gryffindor, and uh, Derek is um, a squib. Oh, <laughs> he's somehow a Hufflepuff in the worst ways and a squib. The rare, the rare <laughs> squib rating. I, Derek, yeah. I think Derek is pretty cringe. Uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think in the Patreon episode, I wanna, I wanna house 
Ted Chang. Oh, the main damn, that's crazy. Damn. We've never done that. We've never housed an author before. Sorting hat to. Paul. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right. What 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 uh what word jumped out to you all from this book? So this is the Scrabble. We call it the Scrabble wrap up segment. A word that we didn't know, a new word that we learned, or just a word that would be good to drop down in a Scrabble game. I'll go Easy. first, because I have one. I have one too. Okay, what is it, Paul? Say uh, it now. It's singulate, which I've heard before, but I think it'd be a good uh, Scrabble word. That's a good one because that's a like uh, like single singular. Everyone knows those, but singulate. What does it mean? I don't, I don't even know. know I don't, yeah, I don't even know what that means. Well, it's, I'm getting actually weird definitions. This this says uh, girdle like marking or structure such as a band or ridge on an animal, but. I w- when I okay. hear that word, I didn't. I feel like, and then there's another one uh, of or relating to a singulum. This sounds like what some sort of singulum? sounds <laughs> fucking zoological, <laughs> yeah, yeah, science yeah. term. Okay. I have a similar. I have a similarly like natural, like bio- biology term or whatever. Uh, let me see. If, let me pull this up. Fuck. Uh, go. Oh my god, I hate my computer. Me too. Abalone. Abalone. Oh, I love abalone. Abalone is a common name for any group of small to very large marine gastropod mollusks in the family Haliotidae. Haliotidae. I've actually eaten abalone before. <laughs> Haliotidae. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's They're a, it's marine a, snails. It's a delicacy. Uh, yeah. Fry so it? You could you could fry it, but I, I don't think most people do because it's like I think probably more expensive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's just a a b and then the word alone. That's so, right. yep, that's, that's, a that's good one. that one. Mine is uh, Carol, C-A-R-R-E-L. Um, I thought about that one, too. Which yeah. is from the last story. And I, I guess it just basically means, like, cubicle. Um, it's like a little, like, if you're in, like, an internet cafe and it's their, the computer, because the, the story is basically people who work at, uh, functionally, an internet cafe. Um Except for talking to yourself from a different quantum universe, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, little wrinkle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, if it's like separated with, with like you know partitions or whatever, apparently that's a term for that is Carol, which I had never heard before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Only one thing left. Dibs not scores before, before the Patreon segment. Scores. So I I'll go, go last. I'll go first. Um, as I've said already, uh, I didn't like this book. And, you know, I think there's stuff here to latch on to. I do think it serves a purpose in terms of bringing, um, you know, whatever, wine moms or whoever into some of these, you know. Uh, The benighted wine moms. Dipping their toes into some philosophical concepts. That's a good thing. Uh, You know, uh, sure. Um, so sure. <laughs> philosophical concept evangelism. Uh, I'm 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 in the abstract here for it, but between the basic level of Chang's discussion of some of these difficult concepts, for the most part, um, and the at best sparse and at worst just like very bad writing. Um, it, there's just not enough here for me to like feel good about it. it. Like if you if you have thought if if 
the question of free will has ever occurred to you in your life and you've thought about it for more than seven minutes, you've thought about it exactly as much as Ted Chiang. Uh, or at least that's what comes through in these stories. Um, and I have thought about it for more than that amount of time. And so I just I didn't get a lot out of these um, conceptually. I, I know I'm being a dick and like whatever, like philosophy degree, elitism and stuff. But I, I genuinely think it wasn't um, explored sufficiently and there weren't enough new wrinkles or takes added for me. Um, so, yeah, I, between that and, and the and the and the the just bad writing, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. It's a it's a one point seven for me. OK, um, wow. lowest score ever by Gabe. No, I think I gave the well back like a 1.3. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not as like, I'm not quite as like down on it as Gabe. Um, but I mean, if there's one thing I'll just, you know, en- enthusiastically agree with, it's that the writing is, is bad. Uh, and hey, listen, that's a bad situation for a book. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, the, the, some of the concepts, maybe because I'm I'm not as robustly versed in in like deep the, the deep philosophical literature on these issues, was uh, probably a little bit more pleasing to my my brain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like basically, the writing was pretty poor. Uh, the concepts themselves were, as we mentioned, sort of more or less just kind of brought up and presented to you. Uh, with very little fleshing out of those things. And uh, in at worst, it feels like in the way that Labatut, I guess, was like j- just too bleak and uh, whatever on, on, uh, on science's sort of uh, potential effects on human beings. This felt, this felt a little too cheerleading in a way that, yeah, th- yeah, it just rubbed me the wrong way, and I thought the felt was icky. So, uh, I'm gonna just say it was pretty meh for me. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a two point three. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean everything you guys said, I'm basically like totally in, in agreement with. Just like the writing, uh, I, I need good writing. You know, you know me, and it was just so dry. I just I couldn't. Re- I really couldn't believe it at some point. So I was just like. This is a this is a top ten <laughs> book. This, this is the writing's. Ter- it's not even like it's. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But yeah, the writing is really bad. I'm obviously not like a philosophical major expert in any way, but I just I still felt the ideas to be shallow to me, um, and not really thought out in the way that like many other uh, sci-fi writers even have have flushed out. Uh, maybe not similar ideas, but ideas in a more fleshed out way. Um, yeah. And like, you know, the lack of character development um, was really big, really bad. Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but I didn't actually no, I'll bring, I'll bring it up later. But yeah, I mean, overall, I really did not enjoy the book. Um the I, I did actually read a little bit of it on audiobook, just the first story and the segments um, discussing the, each uh, story that were in the right. back. That was, Ted Chang would actually come on and read what he wrote. And it was 
when I read that, I was like, is this really happening? This is like the that feels thing I've very ever awkward. Yeah, it was really yeah. awkward. And uh, yeah, I mean, that alone, that's almost, that's subject matter for a story. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Honestly, like that alone brings it down like a whole point for me. Just like the training <laughs> wheel aspect was like the one of the wildest things I've ever read in a book. Having that kind of experience. Um, but yeah, I think it's a 1.9 for me. All right. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Most hated. Most hated. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right. Well, um, as we've already said, the discussion is going to continue. We're going to go through the rest of the stories um, uh, on the Patreon uh, segment, the full episode. And we're only about halfway through the book. So take that for what it's worth. A lot more and griping to come. A lot more griping yep. to come. Actually, my favorite story. My favorite story is in the back half, so I'll talk about that. Um, if you want to hear that, again, patreon.com slash spinecrackers. Uh, if you don't, that's fine as well, but uh, hit the like button if you're listening on YouTube. Subscribe, comment, and um, instagram.com slash spinecrackers. Not instagram.com. That was cringe. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> There's a reason you don't like this book because you can't engage with high level ideas about technology in the future. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just a luddite. I don't know. You're a freaking squib, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Twitter, ins- Twitter, Instagram, Spinecrackers. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I love you deeply per- on a personal level, listener. <laughs> Me too. You're my dude. Oh my you're, god. You're you you listener. That's not gonna make it to the Patreon segment. You listener are my Jack's Digimon. <laughs> You'll only understand that if you read the book. Yeah. Or listen. Yeah. All right. Bye everybody. Bye bye. Love you. Bye.